Welcome to the firehouse. Good to see you this morning. Um, let's see. If you're new with us, I do just want to welcome you as our guest here. I um, want to let you know just to get started here, we have this little routine we've been doing the last number of weeks. It has to do with a memory verse. Let's see if our memory verse here. Uh, so um, we're going to take about 60 seconds to practice your memory verse. Uh, if you're new with us, you know, you're not obligated to have it, but if you just happen to have it memorized, the way it works is someone recites their verse for the church, there's usually a meaningful prize that you're given after us. And meaningful, there's probably a lot of variants of what meaningful uh, means to you and to me. But uh, anyway, take about 60 seconds, practice your memory verse. If, if, you know, if you're new with us, maybe someone next to you has a verse, uh, push them for us uh, if you can. But we'll, we'll check someone, some brave volunteer in about a minute. Let's get in. You know, as we go through these verses, uh, 
just try to uh, continue to, you know, even if you've missed a few, you can just jump right back in. We'll have one in our weekly email. If you have your booklet, it's the one that comes after that verse. Um, it's in the B section of, uh, I think it's the section called Proclaiming Christ. So uh, whatever comes after that one, I'll, I'll send an email out on Tuesday. Right? But um, anyways, we also have a, another person that might be able to do this. I'm going to call on another guest. <laughs> I asked him, and he's actually visiting from elsewhere, but uh, he might have this version memorized too. Can I call on you, Timo? Is that all right? Give it a shot. All right. This is uh, Timo from uh, from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix, Tempe, Mesa, whatever they call it down that way. So, give it a shot. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Tim, I've got a question for you. Do you like chocolate? Yes. You do? Awesome. Good job. Yeah. Well, I've got a chocolate donut just right here for you. That's right. Oh! Good job. All right. Excellent. So hopefully that's a, hopefully that's a meaningful gift to you, Tim Owen. Anyways, but one thing to keep in mind about this verse, you know, we try to, we're not just memorizing them for the heck of saying we can memorize them. Though I do hope we have a memory verse competition soon between some of our house churches, so I hope you're keeping pace. If we do have a competition, it's going to be like, not just put your memory verse champion forward for your house church, but you probably have to have a few members, like a well-rounded team, to compete in that thing. So be thinking about it, because I am. Um, and with us, this verse is a good one. Just, you know, a lot of times if you ever bump into someone who says, maybe they, they claim they're a Christian, or maybe they have another church background, but they can say, yeah, I believe in reincarnation, you know. Um, you just kind of live your life, and you try again, and try to do better next time, and maybe you have to come back and some lower state of being an animal or an ant or something. But this verse here, uh, this memory verse, it kind of, the Bible doesn't agree with that. It basically says you live your life once and you face judgment. And there's not a try again, come back and improve on yourself and try again. That doesn't agree with what God says. And so if you bump into someone that's talking about reincarnation, you know, first off, I I try not to laugh or snicker at that. But secondly, um, this is a good verse. You might just say, hey, what does this say to you? You know, this is what God says. What does it say to you? And, you know, it's, it's a good one just to let them know you will face judgment and the Holy Spirit's going to be backing this verse and this is God's thought here. But you keep that in mind as you go. There's, there's a good way to bring this into use as you're trying to share the gospel. So, anyways, if you guys were to turn with me, we're going to finish off chapter 16 of Acts today. We, um, let's see, we've kind of been rushing through this chapter here. This is our only our third time, third Sunday on it, so I'm glad, no, uh, it's been a little bit slower paced, but I think next week Jeff is going to tackle chapter 17 all in one swoop here, so um, Acts chapter 16, it's page uh, 10, let's see here, 1096 in the House Bible, we are going to start, uh, we're going to kind of read a little bit from last week as well, start at verse 16, so if you have your house Bible, page 1096, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll jump in here. Am I hearing, am I missing anything? It sounds like some announcement. I'm trying to get my attention out there. Yes? Yes? Honey, did you have something? No. Okay, just a second. I thought someone was saying, Okay. Maybe just whispering right there. Okay. 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together. Lord, we do pray that we would hear from you this morning. Pray that as we read this chapter, God, even some of the territory we covered from last week, I pray you'd speak to us freshly. Lord, you know each one of our lives. You know the very details of, of what's going on in our heart right now, in our minds. You know what happened in our lives last night and this afternoon. Um, and Lord, uh, we just look to you and ask that you'd speak. We give you permission to speak to us. Help us to listen to whatever you have to say. Help us, even as the, the scriptures say, to not harden our hearts today if we hear your voice. And I pray that we would hear your voice. Um, so we just commit this time to you. Ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, so Acts chapter 16, yeah? Starting in verse 16. We're just gonna, we're gonna just read, um, we're just going to read to the end, the end of the chapter here. So, uh, let the, as we read this, just let it kind of set the stage of the story that's going on here. That, that we're going to try to pull some uh, thoughts out of there. But hopefully, it'll give you the context again of what we're talking about. And um, here we'll go. Uh, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for life, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, all, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. You can leave. Go in peace. 
Um, but Paul said of the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. So here we go. This, this is, uh, you know, uh, as we talked a little bit about last week, one of the ways we want to frame this is this was the beginning of the church in Philippi. This, these actions that happened uh, last week, it was, we covered also Lydia and how she became a, a believer and joined in as well. But this is the foundations of a brand new church in Philippi. As most of you know, later the Apostle Paul wrote back to them. And we have the letter of the Philippians. And so um, we're going to try to learn some things. Um, you know, I put this down. Four prayers for church planters. And, you know, I want to try to maybe explain what I mean by that. Um, the reality is if you're a part of a firehouse, you know, whether you realize it or not, you are still a part of a church plant. You know, we started this church, um, this coming fall will be five years. Um, you know, five years ago, this summer, we had a team down here just kind of investigating, exploring the land, if you will. And then we began the church that fall. A lot of people had to go back to school at CSU. And then over the next year or two, people trickled back in to join the team here. But I just want to let you know, if you're part of the firehouse, you really are still a part of a church plant. We're, um, you know, and, and I don't know how long that phase goes for. I really think the Christian life is kind of an ongoing sort of church plant. You know, I think we're in the mindset of we're planting, we're, we're growing this church, and then sooner or later as, as it grows, we're going to kick a few of you out, and we're going to have you start another church, and we're going to continue in the church planting mindset here and whoever we send out. And it's just kind of a, I think God wants us to have that church planting mindset. And, um, you know, maybe you go, I'm not a church planter, I don't know how this is going to apply to me. There's other ways you can think of it. These are four prayers for any follower of Christ, if you want to call yourself a follower of Christ. These are four prayers that will grow a church, four prayers that will grow your life. And, and worst case, you go, I don't connect with any of this. These are four prayers that, you know what, um, you might find yourself on the other side of some of these prayers, even this morning. And that's okay, too. Um, you, you might be the answer to some of the prayers that we're going to be praying here. So, anyways, I hope every one of you will uh, just benefit from, from these thoughts and these prayers here. Um, let's see here. So, the first one we're going to look at... This one here, this verse. Um, just look at the section. The jailer called for life. He rushed in, felt trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you just imagine this scene? Um, you know, you're trying to reach people, trying to reach your neighbors, your co-workers. Imagine if you had someone do this to you. Someone you've been praying about or someone that, that you wanted to share the gospel with and they came running up to you, they fell on their face trembling and they said, how do I get saved? Tell me. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? Um, you know, I think the, the point we're going to look at here at first is, you know, why, why do you think that happens? You know, how does that happen? Some, sometimes it's easy to go, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Things like that just happened to him because he was highly spiritual. And you're the Apostle Paul, things like that happen, they get recorded, it becomes the New Testament. It doesn't happen anymore like that. But 
but I want to make the case that, that that's not true. If you see Paul's life, if you see his prayers, he and the first apostles often were asking God for opportunities with the gospel. They asked if they could share one of my favorite prayers, Acts chapter 4, is where they said, uh, Lord, enable us to speak your word with great boldness and then back it by your signs and wonders. And Paul often says, hey, pray that I could share the gospel fearlessly and clearly. And it didn't just happen accidentally because these guys were so spiritual. Um, I believe it, it is even possible that we see here that uh, they were praying that night and they were praising God. I would not be surprised if they were asking for more opportunities to tell people about Christ. And, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to, you know, wonder, or, you know, how come, how come no one ever falls down at my feet? You know, any of you remember, when was the last time someone fell down at your feet and asked you to share the gospel? Anyone? Anyone recently have something like that happen? No, not me neither. You know, and uh, sometimes it could be, well, how come that never happens to me? One question I would have is, when's the last time you asked for something like that? When's the last time you asked for God to be so working in someone's life that all you had to do was just kind of share the final, uh, you know, here's what God's doing. You want to get saved? You know, let me walk you through this. Um, I, what I've noticed in my life is there's a direct correlation to when I'm asking for opportunities that I see opportunities. You know, sometimes I think we're, you know, we just assume you skip along in life doing your own thing and God just has to stop you in your tracks and give you an opportunity. But, you know, that's not what Paul was doing or Silas. They were looking for opportunities. The reason they came to that city in the first place is they wanted to tell people about Christ. And they prayed for opportunities. And, and so that's, that's our point here, just to ask God for divine gospel opportunities um, you know because God's the one that gives them it's not like you go out and just kind of generate your own your own uh, story your own future it's in your hands based on how aggressive you are with people God just walks you into these things and so we need to ask God you know James it says you have not because you ask not um, and so I just wanted to put it out there for our church that we continue to ask God for divine opportunities even recently I started to hear a few stories that are you know Kate here this morning uh, in the prayer meeting just a story of getting an opportunity to interact with this woman and she just uh, tried to make the most of that and it seemed like God really blessed that opportunity um, and I just wanted to be praying for these more and more I, I know uh, the other morning I was reading this very verse what must I do to be saved and I was at McDonald's last, last Sunday morning just sipping on coffee and some guy showed up and I just started talking to him like, you know are you a church goer and he's like yeah I'm a church goer and eventually I asked him so are you saved? And he's like, oh, uh, I'm not really sure I'm saved. And, he wasn't, and we just kept talking. And uh, you know, I started going, I think I got an opportunity here. And then I was like, what do I do now? You know, like, I don't have time to draw up the diagram for him or something. And so I started going, do I have a track? I'm looking through. I don't have a track. Finally, I found one in my notebook. It's one of those tracks that, you know, kind of looks like I've been through the washer like three or four times. And you're like, <laughs> open it up. And I gave it to him. And, and the guy, um, just, he sat there, he was kind of across the room, and he just took it out and he started reading it. And you know, he started reading it and commenting to me, God is love, wow, that's a good one. And he just went through the whole thing, and um, it was by the time he was done, he just thanked me. He said, thank you for giving that to me. And, um, you know, his name was Mario, and I don't know how God will use that in his life, but it really... I think it caused him to think a little bit whether he was saved or not and he said he was a pretty good person and then he read through these things about 
God's love and yet God's holy and He's just and I think by the time he was done I think he realized his ticket might not be punched to heaven so God just gave me an opportunity that morning I prayed hey God can I share with someone here while I'm at McDonald's but I just encourage you to be praying for opportunities like they don't happen accidentally and they don't happen I think even because you deserve it sometimes it can be oh I'm spiritual enough I deserve it you know that's, that's not the case the New Testament teaches things like that happen when you ask for them and when you ask with right motives and when you ask with faith and so we're just going to be asking God for more opportunities here this week Wednesday night I think Jeff announced that we're going to do evangelism training right here we're going to have a, a little barbecue and stuff like that and then we're going to do a, spend some time evangelism training just equipping us to better share our faith and make the most of these opportunities but um, this opportunity a guy falling and trembling at their feet and asking how to be saved only God can do that and so that's why we ask him so um, ask for divine gospel opportunities look at this next one here uh, so next point comes from this part of the passage um, that hour of the night the jailer took them washed their wounds Immediately, he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought him into his house, set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. And another prayer we can pray, another thing we can ask God for is just we need to ask God for radical salvation. Um, and I want to explain what I mean by that. The reality is anyone getting saved, it's like eternally, it's immeasurable. It's got infinite value. So and any salvation, anyone coming to Christ, it's going from eternal death sentence to eternal life. Um, that's radical in and of itself. That's not what I mean. I just want to explain a little what I mean. The example that we're given here of a radical salvation. Um, as we look at this jailer here, um, you know, just... Uh, it's just you look at a little snapshot of his life and you see what happened just in a small period of time but we see a number of different things you know one of the very first things uh, I want to draw your attention to here verse 27 you know, it talks about so this earthquake happened it shook the whole building all these chains popped free all these doors open and there's the jailer kind of wakes up and goes oh no you know and um, so he gets his sword out you know and I, I don't know if I were him I'd be thinking get my sword out maybe I could fight a few of these guys but he's thinking I get my sword out so I can take my life here because otherwise my Roman uh, bosses are going to kill me anyways so um, but he was about ready to kill himself to take his life he had a family at home a wife he had kids and he was despairing to the point of killing himself so what happens? He, um, they share with them about believing in Jesus Christ, um, explain the gospel to him. He gets saved. And then, then what happens to his life? It says at the end here, I love the end of this part, it says, he was filled with joy. Talk about a radical salvation. He goes from about to commit suicide to now he is filled with joy because of his faith in God and, and in Jesus Christ. And um, that's a pretty radical salvation. Another thing I think about here is just, just imagine this guy. Um, he went from, you know, it says he put him in the inner cell. You know, part of me, the first image that comes to mind, I think of this jail that's nice and clean, and the inner cell is kind of maybe the center and all these other jail people around him. But, you know, I think the real image is, is probably the darkest, grimiest, uh, slimiest room in the furthest dark corner of the prison is where they put him. And then they put him in stocks. And I was just reading about stocks recently. They said, um, uh, one author said, those, those stocks, what you could do with those, when you put someone's legs in stocks, they have the ability to stretch your legs as far 
apart as possible, making an extremely uh, uncomfortable situation, painful situation. So this jailer basically does a little torture action, puts them in the worst place. They're, they've got wounds all over them. You know, if you're into hygiene and stuff like that, imagine uh, bleeding wounds and you get put in a slimy, dark pit with mold and fungus and whatnot. Not a cool thing. And um, But this guy goes from putting them in stocks, stretching out their legs. They probably yelled a bit about that. So he, he turns around, he gets saved, and what does he do? He, he invites them into his home. He takes their wounds and begins to uh, treat their wounds and care for them and opens up his home and he provides food for them. And Again, this is just a radical turnaround from a, a Roman jailer who's basically torturing guys and, and abusing them to one who's now, his heart has been so changed that those very same followers of Christ, he's, he's treating their wounds and trying to help them. And that's a radical salvation. Another part here is that not only did the jailer get saved, his whole family got saved. You know, when we were trying to plant a church, pray for radical salvations. Pray for people who would influence their whole household. Lydia, who got saved earlier in this um, same passage, she was an influential businesswoman. Um, most believe she was a single woman, but successful, and had a kind of her own staff for her home. And all of them got saved as well. But we need to pray for radical salvation, radical life change, um, maybe people of influence that affect others as, as well, not just their own eternity, but that of their family or others and their influence. One of the last things I see about this radical salvation is just um, it's about midnight when all this happens. Um, you know, I, I just it's kind of hard to imagine. It's like I can imagine during the daytime, I go, okay, they're getting cleaned up, they're nursing their wounds. It's in the middle of the night. And what does it say? What it was one of the first things this jailer did? Um, they got baptized. Any of you get baptized at midnight because you got saved at 11 o'clock at night? Anyone, anyone get baptized that quickly? Sometimes in our small group we had a discussion question of who got um, baptized the closest to when they received Christ. And we went through, and you know, there's some pretty close ones, and some took longer. And But I don't think anyone got baptized at midnight because they got saved slightly before that. You know, that that's pretty awesome obedience. We're talking about radical salvation. People who not only get their tickets punched to heaven, find the forgiveness of Christ, but start, they hit the ground running, just like this jailer did. And, um, you know, his name is not mentioned specifically, but you can almost be sure that he was one of the uh, founding, you know, pillars of that church in Philippi for, for down the road that Paul wrote to later. So, anyway, let's, let's pray for some radical salvations like that. You know, if, um, some of you, your life story is somewhat of a radical salvation. I think of, um, I was thinking about even Natalie here recently and, and how God just came into her world and turned her life around. Think about Danielle. Think about some of you in this room. And it's awesome that maybe we uh, were answers to the prayers of others and God turned our lives around. But we really want to be asking God, God, Take the foundations of that person's life and, and turn them around for you. Um, they were praying, and only God again can create these radical salvations and radical life transformations. And we need to just ask God for more, more of that. Um, see another thing here, another prayer. Um, this one, you know, this is kind of curious to me. Um, so the also the officers. Uh, see, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we're Roman citizens, they threw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. And it's just kind of this interesting thing. When I read it, I'm kind of like... 
so they kind of claim their rights as a Roman citizen after this whole thing's over. Like, why didn't they do that before? You know, why didn't they say, hey, hey, stop the beating. I'm a Roman citizen. I, I need a trial. Uh, you know, this is not fair. They probably would have stopped it right there on the spot, don't you think? But why didn't they claim their rights then? I don't know. Good question. Uh, we can figure that out. But, um, you know, I think one, one reason might be that, uh, you know, they, they, we talked about earlier in this chapter that uh, to follow Jesus today means to be sensitive to His Holy Spirit, to be led by His Spirit. And, you know, I wonder if the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, did not say, hey, you know what? Don't play that card here. I've got another plan. Don't play that card. You can claim your rights. You can play that. I've got Roman rights. I'm an American citizen. I've got my rights. Don't play that card here. I've got something else. And so they just walked into it. And God had a plan. He wanted to reach the Roman jailer there. He wanted to reach his family. And so these guys endured severe flogging. They endured the deepest pit of the prison all for the sake of, of reaching this guy. And, and they didn't claim their rights there. But they did claim them at the end. Why do you think they claimed them at the end of the whole thing? You know, because then maybe, maybe they're in prison. They're like, oh yeah, we're Roman citizens. We forgot. You know, I, I don't think it was that. I think it was um, they claimed their rights because if you think about it, the, the people that were there, they knew that they were going to be asked to leave the city. They didn't want them there. But they knew that this little church was just getting started, this little fledgling church. And what would happen if the founder, you know, came and, um, you know, they, they said, uh, we kicked them out of town. Those guys were, you know, they were just disruptive. They were whatever. And then they left, and, and you're left there going, well, yeah, those are my spiritual father right there. Um, and, boy, you guys could probably come down on us because you came down on him. You kicked them out. But what did they do? They, they went and they went and encouraged the church. You think that the church would have been encouraging them to say, hey, you guys made it, you survived, you know, you're probably going to move on to the church. Paul and Silas came to them, they encouraged this little group of believers. They claimed their rights and they said, hey, look, you know, for the sake of these guys, uh, I think they did it. I think they said, hey, we're Romans and you did wrong. It says they made them apologize. Basically, these officials came and apologized and they escorted Paul and now they went straight to the believers. They encouraged them and they headed out and they, they really used their rights to bless the other believers. And we, I think there's a great lesson we can learn in that. Sometimes we want to use our rights when it benefits us and, you know, we don't use our rights for the sake of others. But Paul was very serious about claiming his rights for the sake of blessing others. And, you know, and he was very clear. Hey, suffering, you know, Acts 14, Paul said, you're going to go through many hardships to get to the kingdom of God here. You can count on that. He wrote here to the, the Philippians as well in another place where he just said, um, you guys are going to have to suffer just like me. You remember they put me in prison? You're going to have to go through hardships too. But I think these guys endured their hardships for the sake of the gospel, for the opportunities that God would give them on the other side of that. And we need to have that same attitude. When you're church planting, when you're trying to build God's kingdom, persecution will come, hardships will come. Sometimes they come from the very people you're trying to reach and show God's love to. I just think about how they set free this woman who had a demon possessing her. They set her free from that bondage and the people just turned on them because you know that was their money-making opportunity there. And we just have to have our heads up and, and make sure we persevere and look for gospel opportunities. Beware of the devil's temptation. Sometimes I think the devil can say, hey, look, here's the deal. You stop sharing the gospel, stop doing church business, building God's kingdom, and I'll back off the persecution a little bit. You know, he might try to tempt you with that lie, but it's, it's a lie from the devil of hell. He wants you to stop sharing the gospel. 
He's still going to bring persecution. You're still bumping the hardships. The question is, are you going to be rewarded for them or not? Are you going to be rewarded for hardships for the gospel? Or are you just going to have hardships, you know, for, for selfish choices? Um, it's clear this is a, a broken world. We will have hardships one way or another. Um, let's see here. So we're playing the point of it all. First, the perseverance. Uh, you might just pray even to set your, your rights aside to bless others. Uh, the last one we're going to look at here is this um, so after they, they met with the church you know Paul later writes back to them. if you guys have your Bibles turn with me just to, to see Paul's letter to the Philippians um, page uh, it's page 1161 let's just look at this first chapter here some of the things he says to them I just you know imagine putting some of the names in here he's writing to them but uh, he says In verse 3, chapter 1 of Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And it goes on, being confident that God began this work in you, he'll carry it on to completion. But um, from the very first day when they got the gospel, they joined in with Paul on the same mission of sharing the gospel. Later on he says here um, in verse... See, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And, and the Philippians just, they had a unity around the gospel. They had a unity, um, you know, it's one of the things we want to just pray for is that just ask God for a tremendous unity for this church for the sake of the gospel. You know, a lot of people get united around a lot of different causes. Some people get united around, um, you know, different, uh, some people get united around the, the mushroom club or something like that. That's a good, Zach is showing a little unity with the mushroom guys over there for the sake of the gospel. But a lot of people, we unite around a lot of things. A lot of churches pick good causes. But we need to pray that we are united for the sake of the gospel. That we are as one man contending for the gospel. And, you know, this summer we're going to come up with some different ideas of how to um, get the gospel out in our neighborhood, how to try a few things. And we need to pray for a, a tremendous unity, a supernatural unity um, as we do that. Because, you know, sometimes we start going, well, we're going to try some new things and it's easy to go, well, I've got an idea. And, you know, maybe it's a good idea, maybe it's a bad idea, but most of the time the thing that counts to us is it's my idea, so we should try it. And we get about, you know, 75 people saying, I've got an idea. It just gets a little crazy, you know. And um, so we're, we're going to try some new things this summer, but it's gonna, we're going to pray for a unity in that. And in order to have unity, it's going to require a tremendous humility that comes right along with that. Chapter 2 of the Philippians, Paul talks about, hey, this unity, and, you know, it says, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceits, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Consider the ideas of others better than your own this summer. Um, so be praying for a supernatural unity for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, that requires maybe praying for some humility as we go into that as well. But I think God is, um, God blesses unity. God blesses unity in the gospel here. And, and this church in Philippi that was started here, they, they had a tremendous unity. They're a great example to us. And so um, those are our, that's our four prayers here. Maybe just a, a quick review. Pray. Ask God for divine opportunities. 
to share the gospel. Ask God for radical salvation, that He just transforms someone's life and turns it upside down. Ask God for perseverance when you face hardships while you're a part of planting this church or any church. And ask God for a, a tremendous unity for the sake of the gospel in this church. So that's, that's our points for today. We're going to go ahead and pray, and we might just close with that one last song for Dan's willing to, to come up and do a, I think that Burn For You song would be a good one just to warm the hearts more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do uh, we do thank you for the example that has been recorded in the scriptures of, of Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and their uh, just efforts to reach the city of Philippi. Lord, we thank you for just how, how you show us that you can come into people's lives in, in powerful and profound ways and shake the foundations not only of the prison but of the prison warden. And uh, God, we just pray you'd be shaking the lives in this neighborhood, lives of our friends, that they would be asking how they could be Savior. Not that we would have to even uh, you know, uh, be aggressive with that question, but that they would be just honestly asking how they could be saved because they sense your judgment is real, uh, but yet they know you might be merciful. Lord, we just pray you do a huge work in this neighborhood, transform lives, give us the, the perseverance we need, give us supernatural unity, Lord. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up again.